Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. And today, we're counting down the top 10 albums of the year 2018. You can now listen to episodes on BrotherPod app, which which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download onto your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let us tell you what the 10 best albums of 2018 are, according to Brother, Brother, Brother. We are doing the second half of our top 21, um, which makes us, uh, I guess that puts us at like 10 and a half albums uh, this, on this episode. But That's, we we are at the albums of the year, and this is where the, uh, this is where like the real, um, you know, hardcore listening, uh, the albums that we like really, really uh, went to town on this year are coming into play. And at number 10, uh, Christian. You were going to talk Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet. I am. Um, this was uh, truly one of my uh, favorites of the year and um, ranked very highly um, on my personal list. Um, you know, I think with Dirty Computer, really, for the first time, um, you know, we have uh, the electric lady um, of her uh, of her emotion picture, as she called it, um, sort of loses the... the um, uh, the, the metal and, and, you know, all the hardware um, and the sort of computer imagery, um, but, but none of the power of the artistry. And I think she's really, like, sort of cementing herself alongside um, somebody like uh, Prince as a, you know, in, in, the, in the pantheon of, of hyper-talented artists who can sort of persuade us that race and gender and sexual identity and our connection to machines are sort of more fluid than, than we've actually believed. So, I mean, you, you said that you spend a lot of time with this album early on, Wyndham. Is that right? Yeah, I, I really, you know, I love it. And it does, you know, I mean, the Prince comparison always comes up. Um, you know, I think she, you know, is not uh, particularly shy about, you know, claiming to want to be uh, this generation's Prince. But it, it is interesting, um, you know, we were having this conversation about her renown. And it, it, you know, every time she puts out an album, it feels like the industry is ready to christen her the next great thing or the greatest thing ever. And uh, it looks like she's doing equally well or better in her movie career almost. Um, you know, I'm not to say that her art is is getting more and more interesting. Her music's getting more and more interesting. But she's, uh, you know, she's a bona fide movie star at this point too, which is crazy. Well, that's right. And she was uh, in Hidden Figures this year. Um, or was that late last, last year? Um, and, uh, I mean, in, you know, I, I think is she's she's has, has definitely demonstrated, like, the ability to... Um, you know, not just sort of plant herself in, uh, you know, art, 
art-rooted movies, um, or like movies that are about music, or movies that are about um, sort of the industry, or something like that. Uh, but that, but that she's really, you know, much more expansive. And of course, we were having this conversation because one of the things that I, I, I had absolutely no idea until I did my research this year. I, I just somehow must have missed this part of her story. But the fact is, she's from Kansas City, uh, Kansas, which um, you know is a, a pretty. Uh, I, I imagine it might have been difficult growing up that creative and that sort of. Uh, energetic um, in, in that particular town. Uh, but then she went on to um, uh, the uh, American Dramatic, excuse me, the Academy of Dramatic Arts um, in New York for, for college. And uh, um, and so has always, you know, obviously had this, this sort of uh, incredibly, like, sort of sin- um, theatrical quality. And I think that that is definitely, like, it, it's it's present in her music as well, which I think has a sort of cinematic quality um, and, and theatricality to it. Uh, and she certainly kills it on stage. She's um, ambitious, too. Yeah. I've seen clips. I haven't seen her live. But, I mean, she's, you know, it's, it's she's sort of, it's refreshing almost to see somebody this talented be this ambitious. Um, because, you know, so much of the time it's, you know, it comes with uh, the usual... Uh, you know, sort of reluctance to, to lay it all out on the line, but she's she's a performer, and um, I guess in every sense of the word, she's also uh, probably the closest we're going to get to, uh, or I would say she's she's on target for an egot. Yes, I think, I, and she actually uh, she she thinks so too. Um, in case you were wondering, there's an awesome uh, awesome uh, stanza of, of Django Jane, um, one of the standout tracks on the album, I think, um, in which she's uh, sort of listing off her credentials. Uh, and and declares that she'll probably uh, probably get a Tony dedicated to the highly melanated arch android uh, orchestrated. So um, that that I thought was like one of the best sort of tongue twisting lines um, on the album and, uh, and and a lot of fun. But other than that, I would say like Dirty Computer, Pink, Don't Judge Me, and Make Me Feel um, are all you know incredible standouts along with uh, with Django Jane. So for me, this was like a, about as close to a, a complete and, and great album that you're going to find this year. Um, and uh, and so it was high up on my list. But um, we're going to continue with a pop theme right now, I think. Uh, and really neck and neck with the next one, right? Yeah, um, actually, one of my other uh, top three. Um, which was uh, which was Honey by Robin, um, and I think uh, you were gonna you were gonna lead the conversation on this, Wyndham. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. Um, the uh, the conversation always came come with Robin always comes back to you know what what she was and what she is now, and um, you know it seems like she was sort of uh, this she was another precocious talent, so a, a teen star, much the same as Janelle Monae was you know sort of discovered early. Uh, Robin was positioned to be a sort of uh, pop star in the in the vein of um, you know some of the you know sort of the more prepackaged um, solo artists, and turns out that not only is she amazing singer and an amazing presence, she's got uh, quite a brain. Uh, look at the big brain on Robin, um, and she has really really phenomenal uh, taste in in um, co-conspirators. Uh, the album, but uh, and it also, um, you know, it's kind of an event at this point. Robin's last album was eight years ago. It was Body Talk. Yeah, um, which was also highly acclaimed and kind of was where her backstory sort of, she turned the corner from being just a, a prepackaged pop star into a bona fide, you know, dance club star and, and, and took music to the next level. And I think this album in particular, she draws on even deeper roots, but still has 
you know, that, that appeal. And I think this album has a lot more emotional connection than Body Talk. Body Talk was definitely a, um, a great album and one of my favorites when it came out. But it, uh, you know, it was definitely a little more single-driven where I think this album flows as an album really well. It, it has a lot of emotion and then draws on a lot of old influences such as, you know, the, the Chicago house of the 80s. There's very much a... a, a like a throwback sound to the, to the club music that um, I think influenced her a lot. And yeah, it's, it's funny. I think the same with Janelle Monet, whereas they're, they're sort of, um, you know, they're almost retro in the types of artists that they are. They certainly mine um, some classic uh, genres, but they sound very futuristic at the same time. Janelle Monet, I remember when she came out with Tightrope back in, I think, 010. I mean, 010, what the hell does that mean? Um, 2010. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it sounded both kind of, there was almost like a, a musical theater quality to it at the same time. It was, you know, very, very current and modern. And I think uh, Robin is sort of the same way. There's there's like this throwback notion, but it still doesn't sound like music. It sounds like it draws from the 80s house music, but it doesn't sound like 80s house music to me. No, there's like a seriousness to her music too. I, I feel like when she takes eight years putting an album together... <laughs> Yeah, like you better, almost you better not smile behind. when you're dancing. Yeah, it's a, uh... <laughs> and this is, I mean, ultimately her um, her eighth studio album, um, and you know, as, as you guys said, and I think it's like it really is a, uh, I, I think a testament to how much she's evolved over the course of, um, you know, over the over the course like over that trajectory. But but this is definitely like one of the longest layoffs, um, and you know, def- and has has sort of. Uh, I think had one of the biggest sort of artistic investments from her, and she was certainly um, uh, has has certainly been very candid about the fact that it's like um, you know you you struggle with these um, uh, projects, and you really sort of the more and more you know of yourself that you you ultimately invest in them, um, the harder it becomes to to ever get around to to releasing it, um, and so there's this sort of like tearing off the band-aid, uh, you know, and just getting it out there in the open. And it's like, you, you don't, you know, you, you become increasingly sort of anxious about, about um, putting it, you know, in public, making yourself vulnerable in, yeah. in that way. And, and ultimately, um, and, and this, is a, this, is all, this is all subtext for, uh, for the Wrens. Yeah, um, I was about to but, say, <laughs> we're looking at you, Charles Bissell. Yes, um, this is, um, uh, but ultimately on, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relief. Um, and a, and a sort of release, I think that, that comes with it. One thing I was, I, I did want to mention though is, and it's not something I, I have thought too extensively about. So forgive me if this is only a partially formed idea. But you know, I think Sweden produces these sort of very um, cosmopolitan, savvy pop stars who sort of can pretty effortlessly start speaking, you know, flip into English and. Um, very naturally sort of uh, step sideways onto um, an American or a British stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can appeal to the American public, but then, of course, like, they go home and their lives, like, exist in a sort of, um, in a, I mean, ultimately, just a very different sort of cultural sphere than, like, the uh, Anglophone world. Um, And I think that, like, what we see as sort of her disappearing, quote unquote, for eight years is like, you know, I, I'm sure she was still more present in native Swedish pop culture. culture. Yeah. It's like, exactly. It's just, it's a thing that like, they have this sort of retreat in a way that, that means you're not as exposed, at least to American media, as um, as you might be if you lived in LA or London. I think there's a sign in the Stockholm airport. It, it says, uh, welcome to Sweden, 
home of fjords and world-class dance music producers. Because um, <laughs> I think those are their two biggest uh, exports. Um, yes, uh, certainly isn't that, like, uh, yeah, that smoked fish stuff that they've got. So. Oh, yeah, keep that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, moving on from one uh, European to the next, uh, Jerry, you're going to talk about... Our electronica uh, block here, and uh, DJ Kose, who, um, you know, took... I think I talked about this album a few pods ago and, and wrongly pronounced the name, but thanks to Vice's uh, How to Pronounce Difficult DJ Names, which we'll put on our uh, our app for you to figure out as well. Um, it's DJ Jose. And uh, he's, you know, been an innovative DJ, um, has, you know, remixed everybody from Caribou um, to Matt Deer to, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, sort of indie darlings and... and uh, you know, underground music, and this album in particular, I know he released, a, I think, a DJ Kicks in 2015 um, volume, which was highly celebrated, and then Knock Knock is kind of a, a mash of all of his, you know, uh, favorite kind of influences in dance, electronic, uh, hip-hop, and house music, and everything that goes along with that, and this album was kind of a later one for me, I'd seen it out, and I tend to, you know, it's not my sort of first step to go to, to a, a album that is completely electronic or, or DJ oriented, although I like that music quite a bit, um, but I just, you know, it's not, not something that's in my face all the time. And, and this album in particular, though, is, is something that I've been listening to nonstop and mainly because it can take you to, you know, a dance floor with, you know, um, driving beats or sitting on a beach in Greece, you know, chilling out after a night of being on the dance floor. And it's uh, just one of those like great solid start to finish put the put it on and just let it go and uh that's difficult in this world because you know so much of this music and i think robin does a great job on honey too is is made for dancing and made for you know feeling that um you know that energy and and being out or or the dj having freedom to mix in other things and to to do you know sort of to have their set be a um you know a a canvas but here uh, i feel like um it's one of the best albums of the year and uh, I think kind of a perfect start to finish um, collection of, of um, DJ songs by this guy and, and you know it's, it's all... the best dinner party and write a book uh, album yeah, of the year it's, it's chill it has some groove and uh, I love it it's a great record I think you are correct uh, you want to take a quick break? Should we, we come take back? a quick break? Yeah, yeah I believe we should.
back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast year-end countdown of the top 21 albums of the year. Um, we are, uh, after a Janelle Monet, uh, Robin DJ Cozy uh, run of, of uh, danceable tunes, we are back firmly in the rock genre with our number seven album. Christian, kick it. Yeah, we've got... Um Jim James album uh, Uniform Distortion, which I think uh, you know we've we've talked at some length about. I, I was a huge fan of this um, from pretty much the moment it, it came out, and actually was was tracking the uh, the singles and the um, uh, the pre release pretty closely. I sort of uh, I I felt the first couple of um, the, the first couple of rock tunes in there were just such foot stompers. Immediately, it's like it just it, it's. You know, I knew I wanted more of this, um, and ultimately, the the full album is, uh, you know, a really um, wonderful, uh, in, incredible sort of, um, I think, blend of of sort of some of my morning jackets, um, best uh, best music, but that's really sort of exploring some of these um, maybe more esoteric um, uh, themes that that. I mentioned um, in in our first review of this, uh, which you can hear um, on one of our, our previous episodes that we'll that we'll link to. Um, but basically, it's uh, it's it's connected to um, a time that he spent on a sort of a, a week long silent retreat, um, and uh, it's it's dedicated to this this, this sort of nineteen seventies like eco bible and and sort of uh, uh, philosophy journal, um, The Last Whole Earth Catalog, as it was called. Um, so it's sort of a, I think it's, it's sort of dissecting how our minds interact with, um, uh, interact with, with networks and machines um, in some of the same ways thematically, actually, that um, Janelle Monet was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if there is a, is a through line here, um, it's, it's sort of really grappling with, uh, with our experience um, of technology uh, as it's evolving very quickly and as we're starting to see some of the implications playing out, I think, um, more broadly socially, you know, uh, whether it's in politics or, um, or uh, just as we think about, you know, whether kids should be spending all their time on iPhones and iPads. So, um, I, so this is, I thought was a really terrific uh, installation. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, Jim James is such a talented guy and his talents take him so many different places. I mean, you know, I mean, if it's not, you know, covering John Denver tunes, I mean, he's got the voice that can kind of give life to anything. And um, this is the first time in quite a while I've seen him be less experimental and just write good rock songs. And it's just a start to finish good bunch of rock songs. Yeah, I was curious if um, <clears throat> in the same way the Jeff Tweedy album, you know, had a little bit of, I wouldn't say limitation in a bad way, in a good way. Of expansiveness, um, if, you know, not having the full band for this album did the same for Jim James, and uh, you know, I think "Just a Fool" is probably one of the best rock songs of the year by far, and I love the whole album as well. I mean, "Throwback's a great song, No Secrets. It, I, it's just an album that I happened to kind of um, also be in a car once on a long, long drive and, and threw on, and it's a great way to listen to it. It's just uh, you know, start to finish, excellent. Cool. And yeah, really complete, well, sort of planned out, thought out album that I think you know it keeps it keeps it relatively tight and punchy and and sort of you know 
has good emotional balance and all sorts of things. I, I it think does, it's a really terrific. Record. It doesn't feel fussed over. I think that's one of the things that you know you can you can produce something to death. And uh, in this case, it was like it sounds like someone hit record and just started playing, which I think is pretty yeah, great. Yeah, and and that that sort of is what his uh, that is what his stream of consciousness <laughs> delivers. I think it's that's good. You know, somebody who's that is that sort of. Uh, immersed in such you know great musical traditions, so um, so from there actually we're gonna I think pivot again, but but to you know it'll stick with a sort of an, a very traditional I think like post punk and sort of indie rock theme here. Um, a, a really wonderful album um, by a DC trio, uh, Flasher, a Constant Image. I love this album. It's it made me. Every time I, I heard it at the beginning, you know, when it first came out, and you were the one that turned me on to it, um, you know, I just, it would come, I would throw it on, you know, in a larger mix, and every time it, every time a Flash of Song came on, I'm like, who, wait, who is that? And um, it's an album I got to know sort of via that uh, type of listening, and then went back and sort of listened to the album start to finish. It's a... Uh, um, you know, you know more than I do. They're you're f- they're from your hometown. Uh, they worked at the PizzaGate Pizza Shop, is f- from what I recall, and they have yes. their own. Uh, <laughs> they were helping. They were helping Hillary Clinton traffic uh, children. I believe was the, oh, was nice. the um, was the PizzaGate scandal. Yeah, it was, uh, I think was, it was thirty minutes or your money back. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think you know it, it, they they it's a three piece, correct? It is, yes, yeah. it is, and they sort of everybody sort of contributes. So it's it's one of those ones where you know the ver- the variety of the uh, of the type of in, you know their influencers are, are fairly apparent right off the bat. It's a good solid you know indie rock guitar based uh, power trio kind of album, and it does verge into the sort of power pop uh, pop punk kind of world. But it um, it you know it doesn't have uh, it's the writing on it is is better than than most um, albums that that are that I'd qualify in that genre and um, just the uh, the interplay I think they've got multiple writers and I think it I think it shows so um, yeah no I think there's so uh, yes to, to pick up on that that thread um, you know they are uh, they obviously take a lot of um, sort of I think important, DC uh, boxes or DC music fan boxes, um, you know, and that they recorded at uh, Fugazi's Brendan Canty's studio. Um, they're tied to uh, political the, scandal. Sort of rebel rebel rockers, uh, priests, and Taylor um, Mulitz, the guitarist, uh, manages Sister Polygon Records, which also um, launched Downtown Boys and Snail Mail. Um, so these are, you know, this is like this is what the DIY scene looks this like. Is if the you, DIY you know, Mid Atlantic Mafia? Yeah. Yeah, and they're and honestly, they you know, avid listeners of the pod will will have heard me grow increasingly excited as their singles were being released. Um, the uh, in the lead up to Constant Image, um, but like Skim Milk, Pressure, and Who's Got Time mm-hmm. are killer songs, um, and I think they really. Um, uh, you know, the it, very much to to your experience, Wyndham. It, it's a it's great when you feel like you you can't quite carbon date uh, a band properly. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you you can sort of you can pick up on some of the different threads of influence, but um, it is uh, it is truly its own thing and and its own um, sort of representation of like a tradition of you know local music that I think is really terrific. The way they've sort of stitched it together and and sort of added their uh, their sort of special new well, the, um, injection of talent. I think too that I 
saw actually without ever hearing um, opening for the breeders when I got to see the breeders when on their when they first sort of reunited this year and in, in, in Boston um, went to that show and absolutely had no intention of seeing the opening band um, you know had wandered over to the club a little earlier and was blown away by these guys they're great live and it's always fun when you see a band that you have no clue I think I texted you that night Christian because they mentioned that they're from DC um, but you know they they also just seem absolutely thrilled to be playing with the opening for the breeders and but they're all yeah. into it you know which was <laughs> fun they, I think their musical cousin uh, is you know or one of the uh, parallels I uh, that occurred to me was the uh, recently sadly uh, uh, disbanded thermals um you know they don't have a similar vocal delivery but the the music is sort of from the same um you know that same sort of uh uh, has that same sort of look and feel and and attitude yeah i could see that um i think you know like we said they're they're sort of a little bit modern and undescribable but definitely pull from a lot of things they have a little bit more of that math rock sound to me too i mean it's a little angular um, yeah, I would say it's really quick, tight yeah. post-punk drumming um, with sort of those speedy, like, uh, you know, twisting guitar melodies um, mm-hmm. sort of wrapped around it. And, and that really, you know, it's, it's um, it takes it, it, it takes its album. cues from, yeah, it takes its cues from like Gang of Four and, yeah. you know, um, I, like it's a, it, it really is, it's good, you know, Wire. if you like Wire, if you like Gang of Four, you're going to love this mm-hmm. band. All right. Well, I think uh, I think it is abundantly clear that everybody should listen to "Constant Image" by Flasher. Number five, um, which was actually my number one album of the year, is Hookworms' "Microshifts." Jer. Yeah, Hookworms' uh, "Microshifts." So an album you uh, you championed quite a bit. A band that um, had three previous albums that also got highly critically acclaimed. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, due to some um, horrible scandal. Um, have now are now defunct. So it's uh, this is the last Hookworms album you'll be able to listen to if you choose to. And uh, when I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about this album. I mean, I, I like the album a lot. I don't have as much backstory on the band as you do, though. It was the guys. Um, uh, you know, I think first and foremost a producer, and it and that shows. There's a sort of propulsive um, feeling to their songs, and I think a lot like New Order. I think these people write rock songs for the dance floor or they write dance songs for the rock fan. I can't really tell which. Um, not there, quite there's as, another album that feels like it's reaching for the rafters to me. Like, it's a big sound. It's huge. And it builds. And I love that, uh, you know, there's a, a very much of a, you know, there's a sort of slow burn and, and then, you know, just building, building, building. And those are always my favorite, you know, from bands like The Wrens or Arcade Fire or, like you know, those bands that sort of aren't afraid to go for, um, you know, full, uh, sort of, um, you know, sort of devote themselves fully to making a very, very arena, um, ready kind of a sound, even though I don't think hookworms came anywhere near the arena. Um, they, uh, you know, like I said, they, they make bombastic, uh, unabashedly, big songs like The Killers or, or something like that, but they're still a little bit more icy and removed. Um, so I would, you know, sort of put them somewhere in between, you know, the sort of uh, Daft Punk Killers, New Order um, collective, but at the same time, that's... If you're fans of those, I think you'd be a big fan of this. Um, and it, it great album start to finish. 
It, yeah, and it, they were, I mean, it was really highly critically acclaimed as well, I think, um, in addition to our uh, pretty pretty sizable praise from, from the moment we first um, got our uh, got our copies. Um, you know, it was I, like Brooklyn Vegan, Drowned in Sound, um, loved it. Uh, I, I think um, it did very well with, with Stereo Gum as well, if I remember. Um, and it's sort of, a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy. We've seen this happen too many times for, I think, anybody's liking in the last, uh, last, few years i mean it's like you know one like the the sort of the actions of one band member um really fucked up their future um yeah but i think in this case it was the main uh musical mind and uh um is that right yeah he was sort of you know it it, it's one of those bands that uh more or less could be a one-person operation isn't but could be and um, you know, on the backs of uh, some uh, bad behavior and, and you know news about this guy, the uh, you know they sort of packed up shop. So um, you know, it's 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 a fine line. You know, sort of strange to he uh, praised, but I had loved the album so much before uh, I started hearing about the uh, the nasty personal dynamics that I you know it remains one of my favorite listening experiences of the year. Yeah, and you know, ultimately. Um Let's not punish the other four guys, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. um, well, and you know, it's a, it's, it, yeah, it goes down. It's a, it's a very well-made record. So, awesome. Shall we move on to a uh, slightly less ethically objectionable <laughs> um, band in uh, Amon Dunes um, with Freedom? And you know, this was Wyndham. You actually uh, flipped me onto this first. I listened to it that day. I think in on a on a long drive I had um did you to, like it at first I was under the impression you weren't wild about it at the beginning yeah no I did um I I I, I it, what was fascinating was that I, I listened to it and had built a narrative about who he was and where he was from and a backstory for him based on the music um because I was like oh this is so obviously of a certain time and place um, of a certain type of musician, uh, and was completely dead wrong. Um, I was, I, I thought he was, I, I thought he was British. Yeah, well, um, do, do tell us your backstory because I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Well, he does have a very Irish-sounding name, it's Damon yes. McMahon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he also, I mean, yeah, and Eamon Dunes, which is sort of cryptic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be it, he's a he's a one-man show. Um, the uh, the the sort of the instrumentation on the album I felt was very much like um, it felt orchestrated by a sort of uh, by you know the the singular visionary and I think I was probably probably thinking a little bit about spiritualized um, when when arriving at that conclusion but it was also there's so much of a of a uh, like you know Rolling Stones like ballad um, quality to some of his vocals I think uh, it's sort of you know, uh, there's primal scream in there as well. Um, I would go. It really does like connect into this like very English lineage. Um, and then I fell flat on my fucking face, and I was like, oh, he's from America. Uh, and you know, I, I of I, course I, did did my homework and and realized um, that not only is he from America, he's 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 your neighbor been around the block a few times. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I um, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about his actual story, and then we can put this mythology uh, to rest. You know, I, th- I think I, I like your mythology. I'm not sure how interesting the the true story is, but I would. The funny thing about this album is, and it is, you know, it was a toss up for me between this and and Hookworms is my favorite and most listened to album of the year. Um, but the uh, you know the thing that I found you know interesting 
was that when I went to describe the music, I wound up sort of um, couching it. I wound up utilizing, using a lot of reference points that I don't actually like that much. I mean, to me, this album fits very squarely in, in this sort of era of early late 90s, early 2000s, um, you know, almost easy listening kind of uh, music like David Gray or, or James Blunt or somebody like that, you know, and... and uh, Jesus. I had no, a totally it's, different impression on this record. It's funny. Yeah, but you, I, think yeah. Else, that's a, that, I think that's the thing then, because well, to me it, it, sound, it has the same production values as like a David Gray, um, but except that I love it. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't feel as corny or trite. And, um, you know, honestly, it's it's that sort of low, um, you know, the music's, the vocals are very forward. The music's kind of, you know, uh, relatively yeah. um, calming and monotonous. Um, and I'm doing a terrible job of telling you why yeah. I like it because I'm <laughs> it telling like you. a horrible album. <laughs> it does, doesn't <laughs> it? And yet that's what makes it so great is it's like, you know, those are those are my touch points for explaining what it sounds like, yeah. and then I just say it's the best possible version of that. <laughs> I, yeah, it's weird. I, I found it much stranger than that. Like I didn't find it very straightforward or very yeah. easy listening. And um, I thought too, like I mean, he's a guy that comes from kind of like the freak folk scene, I guess, to some degree, the Devanger Brownhart world of, and you know, has like earlier stuff that that's really the vocals are, are very hard to understand. I, and I found the vocals kind of, the delivery is what I really loved about this album. And I, I think the guitar is sneaky, um, interesting as well, like the, the the music in the background. But, you know, songs like Freedom, obviously is like one of the first songs I heard. And, and I love this album. I listened to it a lot. It was definitely a toss-up for me too. Um, but the, the kind of muffled and, and I think, the pronunciation of the words and then the way he kind of carries the tune throughout the album to me was was kind of weird. Like, I would never put David Gray or any of the people you no, mentioned he's a, he's a strange in that same, uh, I, same I would, realm. Um, again, I go back to, I think it's it's much more, yeah, I'm with you, I think, in terms of how experimental I thought it was. Yeah. And it was it has this sort of, like, shimmering, impressionistic, like, quality yeah, to like, right. a lot of the songs. But you don't really, like, you because of the way the lyrics are so drawn out um, and and the way he sings them. And, and I think that's really, like, the vocals are this sort of beautiful, euphoric, like, um, and very mystical, I guess. It, but but you really, you come in and out of sort of understanding what he's actually saying, which I think has yeah. its own effect on... Yeah, the more you listen um, to it, you kind of... The way you engage, yeah, exactly. It's like, I just... I, but you get these sort of snippets here and there, and it, it sort of patches together, depending on which of those snippets you actually personally understand. Um, it, it Maybe you, you sort of, you learn or you... you uh, begin to understand the album and, and sort of, you know, all these different potential pathways. So and I think yeah, in I a think way, too, he's a guy who, on this album, is stepping forward, you know, I think in the past sort of stayed behind, um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, read a blur, but, you know, past albums, I think he always had very long hair and kind of stuck, you know, through, the, you know, kind of hit his vocals more and it was it was more about music mu you know the music for and i feel like this album is interesting you know the album covers very much his face shaved head um yeah you know and and lyrically clear to some degree <laughs> you know once you listen to it a few times but um and there's some there's something sort of haunting about it as well yeah i, I find that, it to know, be a very moody album in a really cool way like i think it can fit yes. a lot of different moods i was I gonna say, say that I, that's I, actually i chalked that up a little bit so he worked with panoram the italian like uh, band that does sort of um, 
uh, these like creepy soundscapes, I think. Um, but he also worked with Nick Zinner, who's done more soundtracking work over the last few years. Um, and you know, he contributes a lot of the guitar work uh, on this album, as well as uh, Delicate Steve, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, it's an album for me that I um, that I throw on, and depending on my mood, I feel like the album changes. It's replaced uh, your definitely. David Gray rotation every month. <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just talking about the production. I'm talking about the sort of laconic production and, and delivery. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, yeah. because I feel like we were talking about different albums. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the that's beauty of it. I think it is different albums at different times. Yeah. So, That's uh, actually a good point. Yeah, it's, it, it is kind of a shapeshifter for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, definitely give this a spin if you haven't. Blue Rose is probably my favorite um, on there. What do you guys think? I, or, sorry, go ahead, Wynn. No, no, go ahead, please. No, I mean, Blue Rose is my favorite as well, but I, I really actually like the entire thing. <laughs> like, it's a great yeah. start to it. It's almost me. something that you, yeah, that I, I would recommend almost like listening to when you have a minute to yeah. like. To, to absorb the whole thing as like a single 40 minute or 45 minute yeah it's piece, one of those so. rare things that is, is harder to digest in snippets these days well, you know where so many albums these days are single oriented this is one that I feel like is, is pretty clearly an, a full, an entire album and I would say that the opposite of what I said about Flasher which is that I learned it you know sort of one song at a time via mixes you know and, and shuffle play um, both Hookworms and Amen Dunes albums, I tend to put on and listen start to finish almost every time I listen to them. Yeah. Well, we should listen to some Amen Dunes and uh, go into our top, our final uh, albums, top three. All right, let's take a quick break. Brother, brother, brother podcast. Uh, I'm Wendell Lewis. I'm here with Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, and we are counting down the top 21 albums of 2018. And we are down to the final three, and uh, very much in keeping with our usual um, lack of uh, of math skills. We uh, we have a tie for second, so uh, the second best album of the year is two albums. Um, and uh, Christian, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Park Cake Horse's Wide Awake exclamation point? Um, what I am going to go on on a, a very s- small limb and, and say is their best album to date. It is, and um, it is definitely uh, their their best album to date. And I think what's fascinating about that is the fact that Human Experience was by far their most hyped album to date, um, and definitely the one that I think you know was going to sort of was was when the singles were being released. Berlin Got Blurry came out um, was was going to be the album that propelled them to the next level of, of sort of stardom mm-hmm. and, and cracked the uh, the the 
the glass ceiling between indie and mainstream um, uh, pop and rock. Um, I think it didn't. Uh, to be blunt, I think it was a very good album. I liked it a lot. Um, I spent a long time with it that uh, that year and still go back to it periodically. Um, mm-hmm. But it it didn't um, push them over the edge, and it wasn't as sort of widely consumed or, or loved. I think maybe as as um, uh, as the as the music People media. Thought it would hoped, be. Well, I think it's the music media hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, they were going to be the uh, the, the sort of pitchfork made. Um, uh, you know stars of that year um but but ultimately uh you know this of course is um uh, a really a terrific band based based here in um brooklyn and uh but from texas they are originally from texas but they've lived here for the last six albums so um or i guess five albums because they only have five um but yes uh but i think that their their roots are um periodically uh periodically evident um I, I would say you know this is musically um sort of it's it's uh that sort of propulsive post-punk that i was talking about and and you know the dry um sort of almost uh, uh monotone delivery of of um of the vocals andrew savage's vocals um you know i, I think uh have have really made them appealing to sort of people who like literate smart pop and rock um, and uh, he is, you know, they, um, for the first time, I think, here, uh, added, like, a, a dimension, a, sort of a, a multi-dimensionality to, like, their production value um, w- by bringing Danger Mouse on. Um, and, you know, it, from the opening um, uh, track... So basically what made the shins worse made these guys better. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> what I think... What I think, though, you know, about the the, sort of the song selection and, and the, um, the the arrangement is is really that, you know, they've shown more versatility here than they've ever like uh, branched out and, and done and done before. So you have, you know, the opener more cowbell, um, yeah, total football to a sort of like sort of slower, more melancholy, like tenderness, um, you know, wide awake, uh, and then you know a, a killer like um, sort of stuttering uh, uh, rock song. Um, centerpiece. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, which is almost had a st- almost 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 had to start a fight. Exactly. Um, so I think you know I think this is like I think it's bright and bold and ambitious for them, um, and I'm really excited to see them sort of take a step up into this next uh, next level because I think this is an awesome band. These guys have worked their asses off. I mean, they played so much uh, over the last mm. five years, just really becoming and it's it's the transformation that I've personally witnessed in, in you know this band's um, ability to perform uh, is is really like it's it's kind of special it's, and it's fun to watch I agree I, I saw them for the first time um, touring their first album at the echo and you know upstairs at the echo in, in Los Angeles and they were not a dynamic performing uh, presence at, at that point and they've really changed their stripes I think yeah, yeah. it's a uh, I think the in general, it's it's like one of those bands that um, I've liked everything they've done, but I did not. I think almost in that we talk about Spoon in the same way, right? I mean, early Spoon was always pretty good and good, and you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa! Like these guys are really branching out, they made the lead. really good. Yeah, and and I feel like this is the album for for Parquet Courts where I was just like, I did not expect this at all 
from these guys. You know, I, I sort of undervalued um, what they were doing. And I've liked, mind you, I've liked everything they've done. They, you know, there's not a bad record, I think. But um, this one in particular. But I think they were. But that's that's part of the. I mean, that's I think yes. That's sort of what what we're learning about this band is like they keep they keep not being capable of less than a B plus effort. Um, yeah. But you're waiting for the A plus effort, and I yeah, think that this, this is, is it. it. I think this is it. Yeah, I think they were killing us with consistency for a while there, and, and uh, you know they really did make the leap. And, and I think you're 100 percent right about the music press is sort of you know they were they were locked and loaded yeah. on the last. We all album wanted to it. really become. <laughs> yeah, and, and we wanted it for like, them. Uh, I think there's very much. I think it's embedded. I think there's a lot of goodwill in this. It's like people like these guys. They are, you know. Part of the community, um, and and sort of, uh, and you know, own studios here that they are still very much involved in renting out to, to other local bands that are still working their way up. Um, you know, I think there's just yeah, there's a lot of goodwill behind these guys, and he's also the kind of person who, frankly, you know, I want I want his commentary on what's going mm-hmm. on in society right now, um, and I'm excited for him to sort of become a. a, a figure who, who um, you know, who we hear from, on our, who we look to for uh, some kind of interpretation of, of you know, what, what the world is um, is well, coming to, so. It's funny you say that because everything you just said about Parquet Courts, you can absolutely repeat right now uh, with about our number, our other number two album, which is a great guy who everybody's rooting for, who's helped a lot of younger <laughs> bands get a leg up and... Uh, and uh, it's really somebody we wanted to comment who we didn't think we needed. We didn't think we wanted to comment on what's going on in the world right now, and we're incredibly pleasantly surprised uh, when he did make a comment. And Absolutely. by the way, I would say um, I think the music press uh, believed that his previous albums were going to be his best. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so we are, of course, talking about Super Chunk. What a time to be alive. Yeah, and this this album was you know kind of kicked off the year. It was my number one um, mainly. I just, you know, and I think, Christian, we were talking sort of off off mic about how, you know, we listen to some of the albums that we've just had to spend a lot of time with tend to, to weigh a little heavier or, you know, on the flip side, you know, you, you get something in the last few months. Um, but this one was a huge surprise. I mean, I've been this life, you know, as long as I've been listening to music, I've been the Super Chunk fan. And What a Time to Be Alive was such a great uh, statement from Mac and the gang in the sense that basically they're just like, fuck this, like, why is nobody talking about this? And uh, <laughs> we're going to put out an album because, uh, you know, we, somebody needs to say something. And the best part about it, I think, is not only that they put out an album that uh, absolutely says something about what's going on in our country today, but also is chock full of great songs. So, I mean, the opener, What a Time to Be Alive, is, you know, up there with some of Super Chunk's best. Erasure, the first single I heard, was, is like a pop masterpiece, you know, the, the way that they kind of have those great hooks and the punky uh, sound, but, you know, his high-pitched voice. Reagan Youth calling back to, you know, bands that used to say something in the 80s, you know, about what was going on and the hardcore music that they grew up listening to, uh, Break the Glass. I mean, it, it's song after song of, of, you know, perfect super chunk gems, but, you know, for the, it, maybe not the first time, but the first time they pointedly came out and said, you know, uh, we're making a statement here. And I know we all loved it. We saw them early in the year. Um, feel free to yeah, jump the, in. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to predict um, on January 6th that you're getting the best album, one of the best albums of the year. I don't year, think so. 
I actually, I'm pretty sure yeah. I called my shot there and was like, when I sent this over to you guys, I was like, you're not going to believe this, but like, you have to put on the new Super Chunk record. It's fucking awesome. And like, I wasn't expecting it. I just thought like, oh, I'm going to get three tracks into this and, and, you know, I will like it because aesthetically it's just a lot of things that are very comforting to me. It's just like, I like that kind of fuzzy, hook-laden, um, yeah, you know, speedy, you know speedy do. rock. Yeah, you know what you're getting in the arrangement. Like, it's going to be meaty, good music. I think the thing that really shocked me about this album, um, and I think was so unexpected and so incredibly welcome, was like, at, at this point in, in Mac... Um, it, it Max Max McCon's career uh, to to really find his his voice and his vocals um, and to have those be like more forward and crisper and clearer than they've ever been on any one of their albums, um, you know. Because I I think we've talked about this in the past. It's like the way that and part of this was the way the albums were mixed as well. Um, I think, but there was a, a really sort of like balanced uh, inclusion of of you know his vocals as like. An, another instrument, like sort of uh, thrown into the blender, and um, I think the distinction here was like, and it, it is it is very much uh, a stylistic fit to the substance of the album because you know he found his voice, he has something to say, um, and I think you know credibility is is uh, an important part of this, and this is as as this is a band that has lived as political a life um, as as you could possibly want to in terms of being really you know basically militant about their commitment to, to DIY. It's not been easy to, to build merge records from the ground up. Um, and, you know, they've provided an incredible network of, of support, um, you know, basically starting from the premise that we're going to release our own shit because we can give people a better cut that way. We can give them, you know, we can uh, compensate them for, for their work and for their art, um, which are really important. Uh, I think that unlike a lot of the sort of more precious provocateurs these days, when this guy speaks up, it's like, you know what? You've earned it, and I think it's time for us to, to have a listen. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, this is a band that's been putting out solid albums since you were born. Before I was born. <laughs> since before you were born? Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. It's a pretty good hot streak. But, you know, like you said, and, and I think we've you know, all said the same thing in different, in different various ways, uh, you know, I was not expecting this. So uh, one, I was really thrilled. One thing, too, about this album that just really, that I love about it, and I think no other band could well, pull this off, is it's, it's, a, uh, it's a statement, and it's at the same time kind of a, a wake-up punch in the face as it is a bar conversation. You know, it's Ooh. not so. I don't know. It's just like it's just a, a, the way the messaging comes across and the way the songs come across are just you know. It's like talking to a friend, and, uh, and it's well crafted yeah, instead of great. being imperious. Yeah. And again, I think the credibility thing is such a big part of that to me. It's like I I, I do draw a distinction between somebody who spent their life committed to like helping you know artists do well oh, and, work, yeah. and working hard it's like you get to be political about this stuff like you get to have opinions about um uh, about the state of of you know the, uh, america and like i i want to listen to you i care what you have to say um so mm-hmm. i i really think that this was a pretty uh you know whatever your politics are these days i think it's um it's comforting also to remember sometimes that this isn't the first time somebody's done something worth protesting you know to have a to to have a um a band that sort of had this like staid presence um, on the on the scene for such a long time is 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 you know you go back to the people you know and and that's what was so wonderful about this. 
It's when you know you know. Um, and uh, that would bring us to our number one album of the year, which is Daytona by Pusha T. Uh, nobody's ever made dealing drugs sound more enjoyable than, than Pusha. <laughs> um, I love this album. I've been listening to it on heavy rotation. It's seven songs long. It's, you know... 21 minutes. For, you know, it's really brief. It's really punches... Uh, it's weight, and uh, I mean that in every uh, sense of the term. Um, and I don't know, I just, you know, you crank when you know you know, and you lose yourself in it. And then there's, you know, six additional great songs, the games we play. I mean, everything on it is great and consistent. And the, you know, another person like Robin, who took an eight year. Um, uh, sabbatical uh, from coming out with uh, new music and, and then just kicked uh, the world in the nuts with uh, a great piece of... It's also the of, best uh, thing Kanye West I think has done, you know, in recent years too. It, it's it's vintage, his you know, sound there as well. I think it's, I mean, as much as it's a Pusha T album and he makes the album, Kanye West's production on it is, is fantastic. It's, it's not the first time he's collaborated with uh, with a really tremendous um, producer either. I mean, he he. So to provide the backstory here, Pusha T was one half of Clips with his brother Malice. Um, they are from Newport News, Virginia, uh, part of the sort of Timbaland, uh, Missy Elliott, uh, Pharrell Williams, like um, Neptune's nerd. Uh, what's that? I said Neptune's nerd, the, yeah. the, the whole collective well, so that everything came from, from the beach. Exactly, yeah. for a Williams touched. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, it really is a, uh, a a very successful sort of region for for a while there in the 2000s. Um, I personally, you know, I absolutely love Clips. Uh, Hell Hath No Fury is an amazing record. Um, uh, and then you've got, you know, uh, Grind in Virginia. Like, I mean, they just, he has such a distinctive voice. And the thing is, like, this guy has just, fucking perfected the story of like slinging dope there is not it's like this is if you if you if you believe that this is one of many you know like you can get bogged down with like the postmodern bullshit of like how complicated it is for Kanye to be a celebrity or you can like just write fucking like diamond tight you know uh, rhymes about about being the best at slinging dope and how much money that earns you and it's like there's a certain purity to this pun intended that like you know I think is is really unusual and it's like it's just this is such an incredible testament to like if you're not sure whether you should keep the track that you don't think is great trim the fat yeah like Mm -hmm. deliver the most concentrated furious like uh and just badass sounding record and like believe me you're gonna get like you're gonna get a hell of a lot more positive press for that Um, it's awesome to see this guy arrive yeah, great point. I'm gonna make it's uh, it's it's not thin in musicality or, or rhymes or anything like that, but it is it is the perfect blend of the the perfect tracks, you know, and the perfect beats. Um, yeah, those tracks and, the, and it's look, great to see because there's so much. Yeah, there's so much bloat in everything these days. And there's a particularly, and this has always been an issue. There's always been bloat in hip hop. I think like whether you're filling out your album with skits or it's never been album music really. Right, and and part of the 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 point here though is that like, you know, don't 
don't check out on that on that song. Like, don't put in one of your best verses in that song and then save your other really great verse for a different song. Like, you you should just just tell the story and like you have meaty, dense, rich like rhyme after rhyme after rhyme just fucking kills it and like it's it really is just and it's it's funny um it's like there's an irreverence occasionally that that he has um or at least like a a self-awareness that i think is really you know that he brings to it that's like probably i think reflects a little bit of you know kanye's influence and um is uh but it's just it's awesome i mean it really is incredible track for track pound for pound one of the best albums i've heard one of the best rap albums i've heard in a long time yeah i you know and i'm gonna go off in a, into another very weird um, analogy, but David Gray, his, flo- his no, not David Gray. I was going to go with Nick <laughs> Fleetwood. Um, it's like he almost raps behind. Like he's so good and so confident. And his flow is so, you know, sort of uh, authoritarian, authoritative that he almost he kind of like almost raps behind the track. Yes, a little bit like Mick Fleetwood plays drums, and um, it it has such a great effect. It's so. Like there, there's just a confidence that um, that just beams on this record. Well, part of that I think is is uh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, I, it's interesting you say that. I've thought a lot about this in the context of of like Pharrell providing those early clips tracks with um, with these like really uh, like steady sort of metronomic um, and sort of quick you know up uh, like upbeat um, rhythms and and so you have this like very sort of tightly wound um, uh, production and, and um, uh, instrumental and he just has this incredible ability to like show up with a slightly slower and more methodical and measured like um, delivery uh, it dominates speaking it. almost more slowly than I have been speaking about this album on the podcast mm-hmm. and just in an incredibly sort of measured way. And he just, he owns it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, it's like the difference between, um, another, another image that might be a uh, helpful or sort of analogy is like, it's the difference between people who like hold and play a guitar and the people who just like, like own it. Yeah. Just crush it. And like, it, it it's just, yeah. they can do whatever they want with it. And I feel like he's doing whatever he wants with the music in the same way. And I think that's also a testament to like just the chemistry that he must have with, with Kanye is really spectacular. So this is also proof. Something good came out of the Wyoming sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it actually sounds fun too. It, it, it's like old school, like Kanye in the sense that, you know, those first few records and, and I'm a fan, but he obviously has had his, uh, his recent, Ups and downs, but I think uh, that this sounds like him having fun again. This is this is peak Kanye of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy era. That's that's how I mm-hmm. look at this. I, I just it's with a better rapper. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so no, this is spectacular. It's a it's a really incredible achievement, I think. Um, and there's just some awesome awesome lines um, in this that that I won't uh, do the disservice of trying to repeat here. Um, but I, I strongly recommend, you know, you dig right in because it's, uh, it's just fun. And like, honestly, you can walk around and feel like a total badass listening to this stuff. Yeah. It's like the difference between the crazy person in a fight and the guy who's, who enters the fight knowing he's going to win. I mean, that's, that's him. 
It's great, uh, great stuff. Pulling up in that new toy. The wrist on that boy. Rock star like Pink Floyd. Waving that rude boy. I'm waving at you, boy. Ran off on the plug too like True Goy. Imagine me, dude, boy. You could never do what I do, boy. Still ducking shit that I did, boy. Niggas in Paris for a hit, boy. These ain't the same type of hits, boy. Shit can get litter than lit, boy. You don't take these type of risks, boy. Cause this boy been throwing that D like rich boy you miss boy your numbers don't add up on the blow that was 10 years ago if you know you know yeah. if you know you know if you know you know this thing of ours oh this thing of ours a fraternity of drug dealers ringing off I just happen to be alumni. Too legit, they still looking at me with one eye. The company I keep is not corporate enough. Child rebel soldier, you ain't often enough. And that wraps up the year end list. Um, we go to the check out the app. We will put uh, we'll make a list of of the albums that almost but didn't quite crack the top twenty one, and we will have a lot of uh, uh, additional material. Uh, going into the end of the year, absolutely, we'll post we are, uh, we'll post our full list and and um, some of our individual lists. Uh, and should should we just do a very quick recap and run through them? Sure, right. do it. So number one, we have Pusha T's Daytona, then Super Chunk, What a Time to Be Alive, tied with Parquet Courts for second, Wide Awake. Uh, fourth is Eamon Dunes, Freedom. Fifth is Hookworms, Micro Shifts. Sixth is Flashers, Constant Image. Seven is Jim James's Uniform Distortion. Eight is DJ Cose. Knock Knock, 9 is Robin's Honey, 10 is Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer, 11, Culture Abuse, Bay Dream, 12, Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fevers, Hope Downs, that's a mouthful, 13, Ty Siegel's <laughs> Freedom's Goblin, uh, 14 is Mix- Mitski's Be the Cowboy, 15 is Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance, 16 is Vince Staples' FM, tied for 17th we have... Nap Eyes, I'm Bad Now, and U.S. Girls in a Poem Unlimited. Tied for 19th, we have Joey Perp's Quarter Thing and Jeff Tweedy's Warm. And at 21st, top 20 albums of the year, we have uh, Father John Misty's God's Favorite Customer. Um, this has been awesome. It's been a ton of fun good to do list. again with you guys. Yeah, good work. And uh, celebrating our, our second year in existence and uh, coming back with more at the uh, beginning of 2019. Happy holidays, everyone. Talk to you all soon. Later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.